Father God, I, again, I, I pray that you would continue to fill this place with your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would continue to open our hearts and our minds to your word, to what you might have to say to us. And God, I pray that it would be your words that are spoken here tonight and not mine. And all of God's people said, Amen. Well, my wife and I, we have two beautiful girls, twins. You could pray for me, especially when they become teens or begin to date or find themselves looking for marriage. God forbid. (laughs) But they amaze me. One wants to be a missionary and one wants to be a cop. So one wants to tell others about how Jesus paid for their sins, and the other wants to make sure that they pay for them. (laughs) You know, my wife will tell you that my girls have never met a stranger. They, They walk right up to anyone, anywhere, and they carry on a conversation as if they're best friends. And this causes me to to worry a bit because I think my girls might be very easy to steal. You see, I will watch them out the window as they are are taking the dog out and they'll strike up a conversation with a perfect stranger who's walking through the neighborhood. Anytime we've dropped them off anywhere, whether it's babysitting or preschool or a kid's birthday party, they're just like, okay, bye. And we let them go. No worries. We are amazed by them. And even as my one daughter in these past few months has gone through the the most trying time of our entire life, three days of intensive outpatient therapy, we have to take her down to the city. A therapy that involves intentionally inflicting pain upon her so that she might be able to, to learn how to, how to deal. It's a mental equivalent of, of taking your child's hand and putting it to the stove to teach them that it's hot. I watch as this little girl cries in pain and fear to go into this therapist's room, and when her father says, can I take you back, she says, no, I'm okay. Where does she come from? Where does she get that kind of strength? I was not like that when I was a kid. I was the epitome, and still am, a mama's boy. I can remember when my mom would take me to preschool. And I would cry, and I would wail. And my mom will tell you that I said phrases like, Mom, you have the power to stop this. You have the power, Mom. And it wasn't just the first day. My mom will tell you that I cried every time she dropped me off at preschool. See, I was afraid that one day she might forget to pick me up. And one day my mother didn't show up. My teachers let me out of the room. There was this giant vestibule full of windows. And I have this vivid memory locked in my brain of pacing those windows back and forth as I watched for my mom because she didn't show up. As I looked for my mom because she was late, as the panic began to ensue, did she leave me? 
Did my mom forget me? Did I do something wrong? Was she mad at me? Later in life, I found out that my mom didn't forget me or leave me. My father was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer that day. And that's why she was late. But tonight, we're not talking about a parent forgetting their child. We are talking about a parent forsaking their child. Something that our culture, whether you are a believer or not, finds completely unforgivable. You know, the dictionary definition of forsaking is to quit or to leave entirely, to desert, to purposefully abandon. A while back, I read a newspaper article about a forsaken child. It was in Omaha, Nebraska. An 11-month-year-old, almost a year old, was found abandoned in a dumpster. He was wearing nothing but a heavily soiled diaper. His body was covered in filth. He had various scrapes and bruises all over his back. His mother had forsaken him. His mother had quit him, deserted him, abandoned him, and left him in a steel box full of filth to die. You know, we hear stories like this and we wonder, how could a parent do that? How could a parent do that? How could someone intentionally abandon their child to die? I think that's what troubles us when we read the words of Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't know about you, but when I read these words, I think something must be wrong here. A perfect, loving father, God the Father, wouldn't forsake his child. Could it be possible that Jesus just felt like God was forsaking him in the midst of everything he was going through that day? Could it be possible that Jesus was mistaken? Could it be possible that his mind was lost in the horror and torture of his body throughout the day? Jesus could not have been mistaken. If he had been mistaken here, then we would wonder what else did Jesus say that he was mistaken about. And the whole of the Gospels would unravel. So we are forced to confront the truth. Did God actually forsake his son? Did God actually abandon his son on the cross? And how could a good and loving God do such a thing? You know, in our culture, we usually don't like the word substitute. We want the real thing. You know, when we're at the grocery store and we read a label that says substitute sugar, you know that that thing is not going to taste very good. And if you ever read a label that says meat substitute, please put that down and run away. You know, when the coach calls in the backup second-string quarterback to substitute your favorite quarterback, we cringe. When you go out to dinner and you don't care for the particular side dish that's served with the meal, but the menu says, no substitutions, please, we get upset. 
And do you know who never gets any respect, who does not get the respect that they deserve? The substitute teacher. But Isaiah 53 says this, it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Jesus was our substitute. Jesus died in our place. Jesus was a perfect sacrifice for us. And Jesus paid the punishment so that we would not have to. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was in those awful moments on the cross that God placed the sins of the entire world onto Jesus. It was the manifestation of God's hatred of sin in some way that is yet to be explained that Jesus experienced in that horrible hour. God turned away from Jesus as the weight of all the sins of the world were put upon him. Jesus was experiencing separation from God for the only time in all of eternity. It was that moment in time that Paul speaks of in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The Bible says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus became sin for us. He felt the loneliness and the abandonment that sin always produces. Except in this case, it was not his sin. It was ours. In those moments, Jesus was forsaken by God so that you would not have to be. You know, we all have a longing for belonging. Loneliness is some of the worst pain that you and I will ever feel. It's why the worst punishment in prison is solitary confinement, to be cut off from the world. Have you ever felt forsaken in this world? Have you ever felt alone? Have you ever doubted God's love for you? Do you have any idea how much God truly loves you? In that moment in time, God turned away from Jesus and turned towards you. You know, there's nothing that you can do to make God love you less. There's nothing that you could do to make God love you less because when you were at your worst, God paid a price for you. Romans 5.8 says, God showed his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. That means during the worst thing you've ever done or during the worst thing that you have yet to do, God says, no, I still love you and I paid a price for you. In the same way, there is nothing that you can do to make God love you more. You can't earn God's love. 
God's love is not based on merit. God's love is not based on what you do. In fact, God's love is not based on who you are. It is based on who he is. God's love is based on his character, not your conduct. You know, I bet there are people in this room tonight who are tired of feeling alone. I bet there's people in this room tonight that are tired of feeling broken, that are tired of feeling weighed down. They're tired of carrying around the pain of abandonment, loneliness, who are tired of feeling forsaken themselves. I bet that to be true because that's the pain I felt for almost 15 years. And if that's you tonight, I just want to tell you that there's hope. Because the same God who put the stars in the sky put you here on this earth, and that God does not make junk. And that God is desperate for a relationship with you. Did you know the Bible says that God says that, that, that he is jealous for you? That when we pay more attention to other things other than him, that that makes him jealous? That's how much he loves us. That's how much he wants a relationship with us. He's desperate to have a relationship with us. You see, it was in that moment on the cross that Jesus was forsaken so that you would not have to be, so that you could experience this love of God. I don't know about you, but there's been plenty of times where I have felt like I've messed up so much, there's no way that God could possibly love me, even today. And I've got to remember, I've got to remember what happened this night. I've got to remember what it is that God did for us. I've got to remember the significance of that and how much he truly loves me. Whether I feel it or not, it's true. If that's you tonight, I just really want to encourage you, before your head hits the pillow tonight, talk to God. Tell him how you feel. Experience his love for you. And if you're someone in this room who wants to know how to begin a friendship with God, Someone did that for me years ago. And I just want to encourage you. Come and find somebody in this room. Come and find one of us pastors and talk to us before you leave this place tonight. Because there's nothing you could do to make God love you less and there's nothing you could do to make God love you more. He proved that for us on the cross. Whether you're sitting or kneeling, would you pray with me, please? Our Lord Jesus Christ who by your death upon the cross bore the sin of the world, the pain of our lostness, and the judgment we deserved. We praise you for bearing what we could never bear. To win for us what we could never earn, the gift of everlasting life. Oh, how we adore you for giving us a gift so priceless. Lord Jesus Christ, amen.